Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. Today on 30 Minutes, we celebrate 50 years of the Wilderness Act, which was signed into law in September 1964. A new exhibit at the University of Arizona showcases how the Wilderness Act continues to benefit the American people by ensuring millions of acres of public land are available for recreation, exploration, and inspiration. The Wilderness Act, Arizonans keeping it wild for 50 years, is on display through September 26th in Special Collections, 1510 East University Boulevard. The display includes original materials from Edward Abbey as well as Stuart and Morris Udall. Today on 30 Minutes, excerpts from the opening presentation, which featured Dean of UA Libraries Karen Wilson, Mayor of Tucson Jonathan Rothschild, Pima County Supervisor Richard Elias, and guest curator Meg Wiesner. Hello everyone, I'm Karen Williams, I'm the Dean of Libraries, and it's my distinct pleasure to welcome you tonight, and uh, to tell you just how exciting I think this uh, exhibit is that's that celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Wilderness Act. I think it's particularly fitting that the Wilderness Act be celebrated here in our community because of the high value that Arizona and Tucson in particular place on wilderness areas. I've learned a whole lot about this exhibit that Tucson is literally surrounded by wilderness areas. So we have the Push Ridge Wilderness Area to the north. East of us, the wilderness areas of Saguaro National Park. Also to the east, the Rincon Mountain Wilderness Area. And then of course to our south, we have the Mount Wrightson Wilderness Area. So you may or may not know that Arizona has a total of 90 wilderness areas. And in that, we are second only to the state of California. And these 90 areas comprise four and a half million acres. Arizona is also one of only five states that has wilderness areas managed by all of our four federal wilderness management organizations. And in case you're wondering, those include the Bureau of Land Management, Fish and Wildlife Service, the Forest Service, and the National Park Service. So given the importance of wilderness to our community, it's especially appropriate that Pima County, the city of Tucson, and the town of Oro Valley have all passed proclamations designating September as Celebrate Wilderness Month in their respective jurisdictions. These proclamations recognize the 50th anniversary of the Wilderness Act as well as the importance of designated wilderness to our community. I'd like to recognize representatives from these jurisdictions who are with us this evening. We have uh, with us Supervisor Richard Elias from the Pima County Board of Supervisors, and we have Tucson Mayor Jonathan Rothschild. And right now, uh, Supervisor, Supervisor Elias and Mayor Rothschild are going to come up here and they're going to say a few words to us. Well, I'm going I'm to go first here tonight uh, and I'll read the proclamation. Our proclamations are similar and Richard and I do this a lot. And so we will flip for who reads the proclamation and who gives a speech. And tonight I asked if Richard would make this speech because uh, I want to hear him talk on this subject. Uh, Richard is passionate about wilderness. He's passionate about the values of wilderness. But before I read the proclamation, I'd like to speak to something just a little different. And that is the importance of our special collections and the importance of our gathering the artifacts. Uh, this special collection, you will go out and if you look at it, it's really about three men who uh, are at the heart of Southern Arizona history. Uh, Edward Abbey, the author, and two brothers, uh, Stuart Udall and Morris Udall. And Stuart Udall 
at the time of the passage of the Wilderness Act was the Secretary of the Interior 50 years ago. And Morris Udall, his brother, was a congressperson. And uh, I, I, I can remember as a very, very young child uh, <laughs> uh, having my father take me to Stuart Udall's office in Washington, D.C. when he was the Secretary of the Interior. It was a beautiful office uh, with Native American rugs and Remington sculptures. It was like a museum. And uh, the story I remember is him telling, uh, my dad was in awe, and he said, God, it must be great to be this close to the president, and you just go in to see the president, and the president makes decisions and does things. And Stewart said, Lowell's my dad's name is Lowell. He says the president can say whatever he wants, but that dang that those dang administrators just do what they want. <laughs> and uh, now that I'm the mayor, I kind of know the feeling. <laughs> uh, but uh, with that, let me read the proclamation that is representative of both the city, the county, the Oro Valley, and I, I believe all the jurisdictions. Uh, whereas the United States Congress passed the Wilderness Act by a bipartisan vote. And this far-sighted legislation was signed by President Lyndon Johnson on September 3rd, 1964. And whereas the Wilderness Act brought into being America's national wilderness preservation system, federal lands to be administered for the use and enjoyment of the American people in such manner as will leave them unimpaired for future use and enjoyment as wilderness, and will provide for the protection of these areas and the preservation of their wilderness character. And this language is very important. I'll try to read it slow enough so you can really soak it in. Whereas the Wilderness Act made it the, quote, policy of the Congress to secure for the American people of present and future generations the benefits of an enduring resource of wilderness in order to assure that an increasing population accompanied by expanding settlement and growing mechanization, does not occupy and modify all areas within the United States and its possessions, leaving no lands designated for preservation and protection in their nat natural condition. And whereas wilderness, quote, in contrast with those areas where man and his own works dominate the landscape, is recognized as federal land retaining its primeval character and influence, which generally appears to have been affected primarily by the forces of nature with the imprint of man's work substantially unnoticeable and has outstanding opportunities for solitude or a primitive and unconfined type of recreation. If Congress could just write like that today. I mean, uh, whereas Tucson's wilderness areas are Push Ridge, Wilderness, Saguaro Wilderness, Rincon Mountain Wilderness, Coyote Mountain Wilderness, Babokivari Peak Wilderness, Redfield Canyon Wilderness, Galliuro Wilderness, and Mount Reitstein Wilderness. And these wilderness areas are important to the citizens of Tucson for their recreational opportunities, clean air, clean water, groundwater recharge, and diverse and abundant wildlife. Therefore, I, Jonathan Rothschild, Mayor of the City of Tucson, apparently along with Mayor Satish Haramite of Oro Valley and Supervisor Richard Elias of Pima County, all do proclaim September 2014 to be Wilderness Month in this community and encourage all of our citizens to celebrate the Wilderness Act, to let people know the history of the Wilderness Act, and to let people know of the importance of our wilderness today and into the future. And witness wherever I have set my hand and caused the seal of the City of Tucson 
to be affixed this 26th day of August, 2014, signed by Jonathan Rothschild, Mayor of the City of Tucson. So for all of you, Wilders Month, September 2014. And with that, I bring on the main act, <laughs> Su County Supervisor Richard Elias. <laughs> We got all these proclamations here so we can put them over there. Mm. Some more artifacts for uh, those uh, special collections librarians. Um, wilderness. Wilderness areas surrounding us here are, are so important, uh, key to uh, protecting and being good stewards of the place that we live, the Lower Sonoran Desert very special place and we're surrounded by all these wilderness areas and these beautiful sky islands that we try and protect and we work so hard at and um, we're going to continue to do that through a variety of different means but certainly the Wilderness Act has been one of the prime uh, enablers for us to be able to protect really important biological places. You know the heart of Tucson is there with that whole notion of conservation. The Sonoran Desert Conservation Plan uh, was a small part of that. The creation of Tucson Mountain Park, arguably, arguably the uh, most profound decision ever made by the Pima County Board of Supervisors was about conservation. Absolutely. And many years have passed since all of those things have, have uh, been put into place and we still struggle to protect our wilderness areas. We still try and struggle to protect those pristine places. We still try and struggle to protect our national forests. Shuk, Babad, the Tucson Mountains, Black Mountains. You know, Babad Doag, the Catalina, Santa Catalina Mountains, Frog Mountain. And then down south, the Chu, Doag, those are the autumn names. Uh, for those ranges. Tried to find the one for Rincons, but uh, I know it's Turkey Neck Mountain, but I, I couldn't find the exact words, and so I didn't want to um, put out what I thought was probably wrong information because I did see it a couple places. Chuck Bowden just died this weekend. His description of uh, those places, those wilderness areas included, Push Ridge, Sawado, Rincon, Mount Wrightston. Um, he had a wonderful way of intertwining nature and those humans that inhabit this place. And looking at some of the darker sides of all of that, Chuck found a very good way to describe uh, what we have here in Southern Arizona. We should be thankful that he wrote many books about those subjects and intertwined those subjects so we had a good understanding of why it's important, so important to be good stewards of the Sonoran Desert and where we live. There's no way we can underestimate the value of that and what it's taught all of us to. Um, that's going to go on, educating ourselves about this place. And the struggles to protect, um, these sky islands are going to continue because they're rich and they're filled with minerals and they're filled with important uh, um, resources that come into question and bring about very difficult issues for all of us to resolve. Uh, we're in the midst of that right now with the Santa Rita Mountains 
uh, we're going to continue to work to be good stewards of this place. I think that's important. And as we celebrate the Wilderness Act, those of us who believe in those values should stand up and let that be known because it's important maybe now more than ever. And so I thank you all for doing this. I thank the U of A Special Collections Library um, because you guys do these great community events and, and you bring folks out to uh, have a better understanding of the place we live. And uh, Bob Diaz, you know, did a good job in several other of these kind of events that we've had here at Special Collections. I enjoy them. I appreciate them. Thank you all for coming out and giving us a few minutes to talk and, and welcome you all here to our home at the University of Arizona. Thank you. We'll continue with remarks made at the opening reception for the Wilderness Act, Arizonans Keeping It Wild for 50 Years, on display through September 26th in Special Collections, 1510 East University Boulevard, on 30 Minutes, KXCI Tucson. Tell you more about the Wilderness Act and how Arizonans have been influential in the wilderness movement, I'd like to introduce Meg Wiesner. We're very fortunate to have Meg co-curate the exhibit, and without her knowledge and hard work, the exhibit would not be nearly this strong. Meg is retired following a 34-year career with the National Park Service. She spent the last 20 years as Chief of Science and Resources Management at Saguaro National Park. Early last year, she volunteered to lead the Sierra Club's efforts to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Wilderness Act in Arizona, and she's worked on a variety of projects in that role. Meg has a journalism degree from the Medill School at Northwestern University and a master's in wildland recreation management from the University of Ohio. She's a true adventurer, has visited all 50 states, and almost, get this, 300 units of the national park system. So please join me in welcoming Meg. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to talk tonight uh, briefly about the Wilderness Act. I'll start with the history and designation of wilderness areas, talk a little bit about stewardship of wilderness, and then move on into some of the benefits of wilderness and how we're celebrating this year. Now because wilderness is in places all the way from Florida to Hawaii to Alaska, there, no one date was suitable for everyone to celebrate the Wilderness Act. So it was determined early on that we would celebrate for the entire year of 2014. So no matter where you are, the weather will be good somewhere during the year so that you can celebrate your local wilderness areas. So sort of the uh, conventional wisdom goes that, you know, the land was wilderness and uh, Europeans came here. Well, we now know that uh, it wasn't really unoccupied. There were 500 different nations and many of them had influence on the landscape, but nonetheless, it was in a much less modified condition than what we see now. So we'll go back to the first uh, 200 years, 1500 to 1700. I'll go through these years really quickly. But this is a period where explorers were just starting to come in on the edges of the continent. And for them, wilderness, the country they, that they were entering, was uh, they considered it really wild and rather hostile. And their goal was to conquer it and civilize it. It didn't change too much in the next hundred years, between 1700 and 1800, when uh, the fur trappers and uh, the Daniel Boones and folks, you know, went a little further into the wilderness and ventured into the inside, into the middle of the continent, and, and still had the idea of this was kind of a hostile place and they wanted to change it. 
We'll skip to the next hundred years. Things start to change then. Early in the 1800s was the Louisiana Purchase. Doubled the size of our, our nation. And um, President Jefferson sent uh, Lewis and Clark out to see what, what it was that he bought from the French. And they found a lot of native peoples out there and how they used the landscape. And there were people who proposed um, saving a place for that community, just as it was. Meanwhile, back in Europe, uh, William Wordsworth, you might remember him from uh, English class in high school, he was the first nature poet. Prior to that, poetry was things like Shakespeare's sonnets. It was about love, it was about religion. Nobody wrote about nature. And all of a sudden, William Wordsworth, he wrote about daffodils and about nature and the beautiful mountains. And Thoreau, in this country, and Emerson, Ralph Waldo Emerson, were similarly. I mean, Thoreau decided he wanted to go live in Walden Pond for a year. You know, and that, that was very anti-civilizing. So all of a sudden, you see a starting of the appreciation of nature. It also occurred in art. And there were artists in England, and that came back over the pond to the United States as the Hudson River School in the early 1800s and an appreciation of nature. Now, if you go to an art museum, you'll see that prior to this time, most artworks were religious, or they were about people. Think Rembrandt or Bruegel. But no one had painted nature until about the 1800s. So there was an increasing appreciation for nature in its own sake and its beauty. But meanwhile, here in the United States, we're sending uh, folks down the Oregon Trail out to conquer the, uh, the western states, and there's still that mentality. So there's sort of a dichotomy between starting to appreciate nature in its natural condition, and then also still trying to, to conquer it and find ways to settle it and live there. The 49ers uh, got to California, discovered gold, and were civilizing uh, San Francisco and those places. But they also discovered Yosemite Valley and found it beautiful and worthy of protection. So the first, in 1864, right in the middle of the Civil War, the Congress gave the Yosemite grant to the state of California to manage it as a state park in a protected condition. So it's actually celebrating its 150th anniversary this year. It later became a national park. But a few years later, 1872, was the first national park recognized by our Congress. The first forest reserves were set aside by Theodore Roosevelt in the early 1900s. The Forest Service was established. The National Park Service was established. And the Antiquities Act was passed, which allowed the president to set aside national monuments. Arizona, we have a lot of uh, fairly new national monuments that were set aside by President Bill Clinton. We have some of the older ones, too. Grand Canyon National Park was first protected as a national monument because Congress wasn't acting on it, and the president set that aside. And then along in about 1924, the first wilderness area was set aside, the Gila Wilderness, just over the border in New Mexico. And I've often sort of thought, well, why wilderness? They had all these other things, and then all of a sudden it was wilderness. Well, that goes back to this cars and roads. Prior to the, you know, everybody wanting to get a, you know, Henry Ford and the Model T and everybody getting one, people didn't need cars. They, they had horses and buggies. The people in the cities didn't need cars because they had public transportation to get to work. And the cars, you didn't need the car to get to work, you needed the car to get out of the city and into nature. And there was a huge effort in the 20s to build roads everywhere so that everybody could take their Model T or equivalent car out into the wilderness everywhere. 
And there were a few people who were really worried that everything was going to become paved, even in the 20s. Even the, the National Park Service was building roads through all of its parks so that people could see them in their cars. And the Forest Service was uh, building roads to remote lakes and leasing out cabin sites. A famous guy named Aldo Leopold, you might have heard of him. He was one of the first people who came up with the idea, and it was around um, Lake Mary up uh, near Flagstaff. He worked in that area, and he, he was supposed to line out some lots and for uh, cabin leases up there, and he decided, you know, these really shouldn't be cabin leases. This, uh, this lake should have access to the public all the time. It should be protected so that the public can enjoy this instead of just a few people who are going to be leasing the cabins. That idea spread, and eventually he started working over in New Mexico, and he's the one who proposed the Gila Wilderness. The Forest Service went on to do various other wilderness areas, but you know what? Some of those wilderness areas that they had set aside administratively, they, uh, they decided that there was a nice place they wanted to put a road later, or they decided they needed to harvest a little timber over here, and they kept cutting areas out of those wilderness designations. So the Wilderness Society was established in 1935. Aldo Leopold was one of the eight founding members of the Wilderness Society. And they said, you know, we need a law that sets wilderness aside forever. It's not enough just to have the agency administrative designations. There needs to be a law. And that's what the Wilderness Society was all about. They had a few partners in other conservation organizations as well, but too numerous for me to mention here. So now we're up to about 1950. That's the start of political activism, a lot of civil rights movements, but the environmental movement came right alongside that. And here's a guy, some of you may have seen a picture of him before. He was Howard Zahnizer. He was executive director of the Wilderness Society, and he's the one who really shepherded through the Wilderness Act. It was first introduced in Congress in 1956. They, over the next eight years, they had 18 public hearings, both in D.C. and around the nation. They in, there were introduced 65 versions of the Wilderness Act. In the end, by 1964, it passed unanimously in both Congresses. So it's through his dedication that in eight years of really hard work that he got every single member of Congress and the Senate to vote yes on the final version of the Wilderness Act. But key in that was our own uh, um, favorite son from Arizona, Stuart Udall. He was Secretary of the Interior from 1961 to 1968. And he had an important part in this because he knew that some of the areas that he managed, all the fish and wildlife refuges and all the national parks, would be subject to evaluation for potential wilderness areas. Okay, the, the Wilderness Act made 54 immediate wilderness areas. These are the areas that the Forest Service had evaluated and given the term wilderness as opposed to a primitive area or a wild area. Here in Arizona, we had five original wilderness areas, and the Chiricahuas and the Superstition Mountains are two of the, those original five. Well, now there are more than 700 wilderness areas covering in 44 different states plus Puerto Rico. So it's really widespread. It took a lot of people, a lot of dedicated citizens. Some of them are in this room. All of you in this room could be among those dedicated citizens who advocate for wilderness areas. Edward Abbey was one of those people. He was born back east, but he ended up making his home um, in southern Arizona and uh, in the Oracle area. 
he wrote Desert Solitaire. It was published in 1969, and it influenced people's, people of my generation, including me. The subtitle of his book is A Season in the Wilderness, and it's about him being a seasonal ranger in Arches, what's now Arches National Park. It was a national monument at that time. He talks about how great it is to actually get out and experience the desert area instead of just looking at, at it through the windows of your air-conditioned car. His language is a little spicy and salty every now and then, but kind of a fun read. You'll see a cabinet out in the other room that has a couple dozen books that he's written. He was quite a prolific author. But Desert Solitaire really turned a lot of people into that wilderness campaign when the agencies were reviewing all of their roadless areas and trying to decide which ones were appropriate for wilderness. Another key uh, person in that, particularly in Arizona, was Morris K. Udall. He was the congressman representing our area. He served in Congress from 1961 to 1991 when he retired because of health reasons. He introduced all of the Arizona wilderness bills and some of the big ones in particular. He really um, worked hard to, and got them through Congress and passed. That's why Arizona has 90 wilderness areas, second only to California. So let me give you just a little bit of the, the quick history of Arizona wilderness. There were various laws passed through the 1970s. Petrified National Forest was among the first wilderness areas in the National Park Service in 1976. So our national park had its wilderness designated. In 78, the Push Ridge Wilderness was designated. These were like individual wilderness areas that were, were ready to go and were passed into law. But the big bills came a little later, 1984, was the Arizona Wilderness Act. By this time, the Forest Service had studied all of their roadless lands and in cooperation with uh, organizations here in Arizona like the Sierra Club, representatives from the Wilderness Society, the Arizona Wilderness Coalition uh, pushed and got the 1984 bill passed, which is pretty much most of the Forest Service wilderness areas are included in that bill, as well as some of the very early Bureau of Land Management wildernesses. That includes areas like Aravipa Canyon and the Vermilion Cliffs Perea uh, Creek Wilderness Area. Uh, six years later, the Arizona De Desert Wilderness Act was passed. It included the rest of the BLM areas, which is 40-some areas, as well as four national wildlife refuges that have wilderness. That includes the Cabeza Prieta National Wildlife Refuge, which is the largest wilderness area in Arizona. So in total, in Arizona, we have 90 wilderness areas. If you were to visit two a week, it would take you almost a year to get to all of them, and four and a half million acres. America was the first country in the world to pass wilderness legislation. There's about 20, 25 countries that have passed similar legislation now or manage areas administratively uh, as protected as wilderness areas, but it really is made in America. So a little bit about the celebration. I told you earlier that it was going on all year long. There are three goals that they, the group that's organizing this, and it's a group of 30 different organizations, including federal employees and a lot of different nonprofits and schools, and um, like the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts and various different kinds of organizations have been working on this celebration for about three years to increase awareness of wilderness, especially among non-traditional populations, to engage the youth, our future wilderness managers, wilderness stewards, and to work together with other wilderness organizations. National events, there's a website, www.wilderness50th.org, where all the activities and events that are going on for the wilderness anniversary are listed. 
opening tomorrow at the Smithsonian Institute are 60 wonderful photographs, the winners of a photo contest that they held last year, all of wilderness areas. If you're in Washington in the next, I think it's six or eight months, that it's going to be on display at the Museum of Natural History at the Smithsonian. So stop out and see that. And finally, the National Wilderness Conference, Albuquerque, New Mexico, won the bid to host that, and that'll be next month in October. Here in Arizona, we've been doing a whole lot of things all year long, but I decided to highlight a few things that are still coming up. Again, we have a wilderness that's just for Arizona. That's azwild50th.org. The Arizona Highway September issue, if you subscribe to that, is, has a little section on wilderness. There's this exhibit at the Special Collections. I put that in there. And the Wild for Wilderness Festival, which will be at Sabino Canyon. Thank you for coming, and I hope you have time to see the exhibit uh, as you... You've been listening to remarks made at the opening reception for the Wilderness Act, Arizonans Keeping It Wild for 50 Years, on display through September 26th in Special Collections, 1510 East University Boulevard. The display includes original materials from Edward Abbey and Stewart and Morris Udall. Speakers on today's program included Dean of UA Libraries Karen Wilson, Mayor of Tucson Jonathan Rothschild, Pima County Supervisor Richard Elias, and guest curator Meg Wiesner. Many celebrations take place throughout the state and country to celebrate 50 years of the Wilderness Act. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager.